0: This is The Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks show number 532, recorded on April 28th, 2022. Here on Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the fads. Gadgets that find their way to your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the averageguy.tv studios here in what could be potentially some some um, dangerous weather tonight. We'll see how it goes. I'll be watching the radar, but of course, we'll post the show with some world class show notes. Uh, they'll be out at the averageguy.tv. Big thanks to our good friend, Rich Hay, who was on last week. And of course, Rich caught us up all the things that are going on at Microsoft with his job, took a new job six months ago. If you haven't caught up on the show, go back and get that done. And, uh, and big thanks to Rich. Good to catch up with him. And, and uh, of course, big thanks to our Patreon subscribers who uh, support the show each and every month. I appreciate you guys. That number has not changed in forever. If you want to support the show, if you want to support what we do here from a Monetary perspective, head out to the average slash Patreon. We have just one $5 plan, super easy to jump in. Do it for as little or as long as you want. And I uh, always appreciate that. Helps us do things like, um, I picked up a a smart, um, a Wi Fi garage door opener with from the recommendation. I think the, the brand name on this thing is a Miros M E R O S S. This came from, uh, Oh, Randy or bust out one of the two in discord. And they said, Hey, you got to try it out. It was on sale. I checked it out on Amazon. It's coming in. I'll be installing it on the garage door this weekend. Just came in today. So it'll go pair nicely with the ring cam that's in the garage. So if the garage door is open and I've left, I can hit a button and close the garage door. Anyway, so big thanks to those who do support us on Patreon. Phil Collison, my son. Yeah, we've been talking about this for a while. My oldest uh, is with us tonight and is going to come on. We've got a bunch of things to talk about, but Phil, welcome. Good to have you.
1: Yeah, it's good to be here. It's going to be a lot of fun. What,
0: first of all, why Why would we have you on this podcast? I mean, what was, what's the, why are we doing this? You know, we've had CME on and that makes sense. She's a journalist and an influencer and, or at least she wants to be uh, in that space. Why, what, 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 what prompted you to come on tonight?
1: You want the the real answer, or the ideal yeah. answer?
0: <laughs> uh, let's do both. I like both. Okay, Do, yeah, the, yeah. do the real first,
1: both and then good. we'll see what ideal was. So, I've been, you know, with your the my own exposure to your the you know podcasting so much, and um, I enjoy talking about certain aspects of certain hobbies and things that I have, and so I had the idea of possibly starting my own podcast. So, um. Tossed the idea out and we started talking about some different things we could do. And, uh you know, my dad said, hey, why don't you, we could have you as a guest on my show and it'd be a good way to kind of warm you up, get you some exposure and get a feel for the structure and stuff like that. And then, you know, I have some hobbies and stuff, like I said, Uh dr- playing drums, probably the biggest one for sure. Um, it's kind of held steady for quite a long time now, and there's some tech that can kind of play into that, and just music in general that um, I have got some experience with. That uh, we could definitely chat about, and however interesting you guys find that, I guess we'll find out.
0: I think over a cigar and a fire, uh, you were like, "Hey, I was thinking I could maybe do a podcast," and I was so yeah. we were talking about different ways to do it. And I said. You should just come on home, catch you geeks. We'll just get you on there. see if you even like it and, yeah. uh, and give it a try. so but we will talk some drumming uh, some, uh, and not necessarily drum gear, but some tools to help musicians. I, I think that are pretty cool. Phil,, how, when, when did you get started with drums? How did that? I mean, I know the story, but for <laughs> for, <laughs> for yeah. a listen, it is a little awkward when you interview your own kids. You have to ask questions like that, but sure. what, what got you interested in drums, and how long?
1: Gosh. Uh, so I think I started around 12, 13. So we're honestly, we're coming up on 20 years now, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of mind blowing to me. Um, I remember when 10 years seemed like I'd been playing a long time. Um, so it was more of a, you know, there was a guy that played at our church and he was in high school and I was, you know, a pre-adolescent and thought he was Cool. And the drums just, you know, vibed with me. I I like the way the sound. It seemed like it was a lot of fun. I liked the, the way that they add energy to the music and how much the drummer controls that and just drew me in. So that uh, is kind of how it started. And then, thankfully, <laughs> after some time and convincing, my parents let me save up and buy my own drum set and... <laughs>
0: oh my god through the course oh
1: of you know so my loud. my dad using sound protective so headphones <laughs> and you know after two or three hours my mom would send one of my siblings down with a sticky note saying you know last song you know i'd, I'd pop in a cd and throw some headphones yeah. on i just played yeah. a my favorite music and that's you play for game. hours. Yeah. Hours.
0: Right. You practiced and practiced and practiced.
1: That's one of the ways you can get good at something is if you yeah. love it so much. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. We, we fortunately were a part of a, a church at the time and, and you, there, there were opportunities every week for you to play. Um, I told you if you always, if you played for a church, you'd always have a place to play. And, uh, I still that think it's true. true. Yeah, that is I still true. Think
1: that's true. It's a little um, harder these days, depending on where you go. But yeah, it's it, getting it's more competitive. Still, it still rings true. Yeah.
0: What was it like growing up with a with a dad who was always always had computers around and was doing nerdy stuff? And I don't know if I've ever asked you that question <laughs> in that way. We asked Sammy when she was on, but uh, what what are your memories of of tech always being around the house?
1: Well, obviously the big one would be games gaming um so i have very fond maybe some not as fond but overall pretty fond memories of when we would you know do the multiplayer we'd have five or six different pcs run in we'll play you know command and conquer and half-life and you'd wipe the floor with us somebody would always cry for a, wh- for a
0: while for a while And then you guys started killing me and i cried we finally started
1: finally like just the rage i guess just pushed us to get better Eventually, yeah, there, we there were three be, of
0: you, three of you old enough in this shot group, as I like to call it, that where you were all old enough at the right time, we could all play these games together. And someone always ended up crying. <laughs> and it was just, it was, it was interesting. We had a good time though, but it, it, it allowed me to push the boundaries on the home network and, you know, eventually start thinking about home storage which got me hooked into Home Server Show, which got me podcasting, which, you know, now 11, 12 years later, we we kind of end up here. So, um, you know, it's been good to watch you get through that, through high school, through college, all the things that you've, you've done. It's been fun to, um, it's been fun as a dad to just kind of watch you grow in that area. And listen, I, I recommend it. I know a lot of parents, want their kids to do those kinds of things. And you're the, you're the only one who really got musical with us. The, the other boys and Sammy, uh, Sammy did show choir and sang. So she was, uh, still does. did it that way. Yeah. 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 She joined, she, she joined a local choir. So, um, anyways, it's always, it's always kind of fun to, when you have your own kids on your podcast and you start talking about that. Uh, super cool. We got a cool couple, I, I think a couple tools to kind of talk about tonight. Um, as we think about just stuff that goes along and, and by the way, you know, if, uh, you guys out there listening live throw, if you got your questions for Phil, throw them in chat and, uh, and we'll go from, I, I don't think anything's off limits. Maybe, maybe a few things are off limits. Let me, let me get a, let me share the screen and bring this up here. If
1: I can I'll default to you on those.
0: Um, now oh, this is interesting. So all of a sudden, now uh, the browser, I must have updated the window, and it's not allowing me to share. That's always kind of fun. Well, let's see if we can get this thing up here. Give it a second. Go to System Preferences. Oh. Well, that's weird. We, I, We just tested this. Like you had some problems getting in yeah. here. Yeah. Wonder if something. Wonder if something changed on the. On the uh, StreamYard side that messed some things up because you had trouble connecting, I didn't. Now, if I uh, to to get the sharing tool to start working, I've got to stop the broadcast to get this in. Yeah. Let me see. Hold on. Before I do it, let's. Let's copy this into another, into the same window. Let's <laughs> give that a try, Phil. So what? Let me ask you this question while I'm bringing yeah. this up. What do you think has been the from a from a drumming perspective? If you think of all the things you've ever done with it, what what stands out as an experience for you that was the pinnacle so far, and what you're doing from that? You know, because you did it. As a young teen, and into your young adult, you're thirty. Yeah, you're coming up on thirty three, right? Thirty three. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. September. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, that's that's impressive because sometimes I forget to. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, No, at that age, I, I, it's, I had no
1: it's idea. starting to fade. I don't. <laughs> I, had, I had no idea.
0: But um, got a pivotal I, moment or a...
1: yeah, I got, I got a couple. Um, I don't know. So I'm a big context guy. Like this, this plays into. It it frustrates some people because I have so many layers to, you know, answer questions with. Um, So I would say there's a few different things where um, just being able to like, you know, at first it was like the first big thing was like the first time I got into like a legitimate or semi-legitimate like local band. Being able to play live, you know, playing in venues, mic'd up with people out there watching us, um, original music we had written, um, that was pretty big. And then, kind of on the same field, um, and a second band that I was in in college, we got a chance to open up for, we had won this Facebook contest. And so, we had won this chance to open up for a band called Need to Breathe, who I don't know how big they are now, but they got pretty popular there around that time. Um, they had actually taken a break from touring with Taylor Swift. They were opening for Taylor Swift at the time. and They took like a month or two like break, but then they were still playing shows. Um, and so they decided in that window they were going to you know, allow some local bands to play with them in some smaller towns. Uh, we got to play at the Bourbon Theater in Lincoln, Nebraska, and um, opening for them actually after the fact was more shocking than while we were <laughs> well, you know, while we were on stage. I mean, it was crazy because the place was packed. Yeah. Um, you know, it, that was the largest crowd I had probably played original music in front of, and um, it was it was pretty exciting. And then I didn't really know much about the band like beforehand. And then we got to watch them live, and they were phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And so that was—I was floored by that too. I was the whole time just standing. I loved the music they were playing. It had great energy. It was kind of blues rock, and I really, really liked it. And I was, was like shocked that like wow, I get to open up for these guys. Mm-hmm. And then after that, they were all over the place. They were playing them on local pop stations, and. Um, we actually won a second contest and this, this one's slightly embarrassing. We opened up for, um, uh, obviously way past their prime. Like (laughs) their prime was when they were kids and they were all adults. Um, but it was pretty, it was a packed show. Um, we get to play in a good venue and that was another one. Yeah. Um, these days, honestly, anybody that gives me any type of genuine recognition, uh for just the appreciation of what I do and how I add to the music and stuff like that. That for me these days is you know yeah. hits home just as hard as some of the you know popularity type stuff. So
0: mm-hmm. I regularly introduce myself at church as Phil's dad. So maybe the first place I've gone to and I've been there a long time, but you're more popular
1: than me for sure. They know you
0: <laughs> they know the drummer.
1: My- I think my wife is overtaking me now.
0: <laughs> well, I mean she she does work there. So that 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 makes a difference. But yeah. um screen share is not going to work and that's okay. I can overcome just about anything. So yeah. w- in, in the drumming of church in in you know contemporary music in a lot of churches has gotten pretty complicated. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of I mean you're talking about, you know, you may you're talking about maybe seven or eight people on the platform, multiple vocalists, you've all you've got um, you've all got monitoring systems. You're trying to make sure church venues are usually pretty small. So they're always too loud, which is what people complain about all the time. Uh, that, that, that new music is too loud. <laughs> right? It doesn't have to be right. Oh, uh, right. there's
1: a lot of layers. There's yeah. A there's lot a lot of, of com- a lot of there's complexity lot. to that. Yeah. You,
0: you've, there's a couple apps that out there, uh, uh, Moses.ai, um, is one of those, um, that allows you to, um, Ah, uh, play music in, strip something out and then and then use it as you can you, you could play the drums and play the track over the top or make a recording. Talk a little bit about how you how you've
1: used that in the past. yeah, so this the the Moises app um, is something that probably outside of a church context would be um, probably the place you would see it the most often, actually for this particular item. Um, the area that has context for me, which it has more abilities than just this particular context, but you know, this is how I relate to it. Um, it you upload a song to the app, and then it kind of strips it down to, um, and depending on what kind of you know options you've paid for and whatnot. There are a couple of free options. They'll give you a number of things you can, or aspects of the music you can turn up or turn down. So essentially, or turn
0: off completely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It gives you literally a volume knob, and you'll have like three or four of them. And typically, it's, it uses some type of AI. It goes in there, it picks out the vocals, it picks out any stringed instruments, it picks out the drums, and then something else. And it, you have the ability to adjust the volume. And then you can um, use that song as a track to play on top of, and so like YouTube drum covers. This is where I discovered this app. Um, you can can't you know turn the drums off in the song that you're playing, so then all you hear is the drums that you have recorded. Where you know there's a lot of YouTube drum covers where you can kind of hear both, and sometimes there's a little bit of um, trickery in mixing to try to make that those two things blend um it actually kind of makes things a little bit more complicated sometimes too especially if you're playing differently than the drummer did in the original track so it's kind of a fun way to you get a little bit more creativity and then it sounds pretty good because you're not conflicted with another instrument of your kind so that's kind of the aspect of the the moises app
0: if you haven't discovered the world of drum covers on youtube you, you you just go to YouTube and to type in drum covers and your favorite song. It's probably been covered in some way. Yeah. And fill there like this is an area and I'm sure there's other areas where this is this is true as well. But particularly in the drum cover space, there are the like there's young young ladies. Let's just say they're probably, you know, 15 to 20 in there, just, like, you would not expect that demographic, right, to be in drugs. Just, just
1: shredding, yeah. Just killing it. Right? Just laying it down, yeah. Uh,
0: and, and doing, and that's probably an area, um, you know, that it, I've seen really uh, open up in the last couple years where it was that, again, that was maybe even a male-dominated space, uh, but the ladies. <laughs> The ladies have been popped in there, and now there's lots of guys doing lots of interesting thing on drums. And if you haven't, oh, yeah. if you haven't uh, gone out to YouTube and watched those drum covers, uh, I think it's because it's they got multiple camera angles, right? Do you do you spend time watching how other people drum?
1: Oh, all the time. Yeah. So um, that's kind of an interesting angle. As far as my own drumming is concerned, um, I do this when I'm studying songs that I'm trying to learn is obviously the original track is kind of the the bones of what I'm going to study. And then um, depending on the context and how much freedom I may or may not have to create within the confines of the song, um, I will go and watch four or five different covers just to see another player's perspective or take on the parts. And then sometimes I can get some little creative licks and, some ways to make it kind of interesting and unique. And um, you know, it's, it's a whole rabbit hole there where yeah. sometimes I've found parts that were like a fill. that was like super cool. And then learned how to play it and just incorporate it into my own playing in certain areas and stuff. And so that's kind of another slightly tech thing. There's and there, a lot of drummers have kind of made their way with YouTube drum covers so that that's how they started. And now they're, they're famous. They're playing for big time acts. They're YouTube online educators. They're you know they're teaching drum lessons. Um, there's a handful of them I started watching when they were just doing covers, and now they're like you know you you search certain types of drum videos, and they're at the top, and it's kind of been crazy to see some of those journeys. I love to
0: see the different. You know, they'll they'll have a camera on both feet, and then maybe even different areas for for the way they're doing it. And so you can kind of see they'll sync them together. So you can see the way they're doing things together. Yep. And, um, uh, very, very cool. I, I I got sucked into the rabbit hole of them one day and just started going a lot of eighties, a lot of 80 cover going on. Yeah.
1: It's there's, there's stuff in there for everybody. I would think
0: the, the, the a lot of the good rock ballads come out of the eighties. Right. So a lot of, a lot of good drumming, uh, um, comes out of there. So, so pretty cool. Um, so sometimes if you want to add in though, say for what we're doing at church and you've got, say you've only got three musicians, but you want to make it feel like there's more than that. And you want to play, would you use an app like this for that? Or is there another app that you might use to augment or add in additional uh, musicians?
1: Yeah. So we have an application, um, that is, I'm actually forgetting what it's called now. Multi tracks, um, that that one. Multi tracks, and then it is uh, the playback app. So multi tracks is kind of like the website, and then um, within that, they have multiple offerings at the website, and so we have this playback app that we use. That is, it's like a really, really user friendly, like not quite recording interface, but it's super cool because you can purchase a song that has 90% of the recorded um, like individual tracks. So like
0: Indiv- individual instruments, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. So it'll have drums. It'll have alternate percussion. It has multiple keys, parts, synthesizers, bass, every guitar track they're recorded for the song. And what's cool is that we can pump it through the main mix and then at the laptop right next to me, I can control, you know, the levels of all of that stuff. So Is
0: that always the drummer's job or do you just take that on?
1: Um, I'd say traditionally it is um, okay. in a lot of musical contexts. If there's some type of laptop that's running either just click track or some type of, you know, tracks of some kind, then um, the drummer is probably the most traditional Um you know, conductor of that particular aspect. Um, But we have had keyboard players do it in the past. Um, But just usually the way, you know, because it's the main reason most people use it is because it has like the click track and it has what we call a guide in it. And so what's cool about that, it kind of limits you and puts you in a little bit more of a confined space per se, Um, but it structures everything really well. And so throughout the course of this particular track, obviously it's an exact amount of time it will give you cues and it'll say verse, chorus. And then it's Mm -hmm. counting. You know, it's got a metronome that's in there counting for you the whole time. So it really helps solidify the band. Um, It helps, you you know, you don't have to completely memorize the song sometimes. um, They're hearing the
0: the band is hearing those
1: vocals. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we have these days to get away with something like that, you got to use an in-ear monitor mix. Yeah. Yeah, so everybody's wearing like, pretty heavily sound isolated headphones for the most part. and um, The cool part is that through a different application we use in our soundboard, um, it's another app that we have on our phones. We can control our own mixes as well. So again, lots of layers. But the uh, playback app is super cool because in the past, we used this program called Ableton Live. And it was basically like Pro Tools. And you almost had to be like a rocket science to run this rocket scientist <laughs> to run this program. Mm-hmm. It's not user-friendly. There's all kinds of hotkeys and uh, little you know places to do little thing. I mean, the sky was the limit. Space is the limit. Like you could do anything if you you know, you almost had to take a college course to know how to run this thing um, properly. And so it was really hard if we ran into problems. I didn't know what to do. I'd always have to like ask our music director like, Hey, you know, fix this problem. I, I know how to start and stop it. And that's it. <laughs> so he had to spend a lot of time building these tracks and um, finding the right audio files. And so like the cool thing about this playback app is it's all built in. All the sounds are there. You can actually manipulate the different keys that you want to play in. So if you want to play in a B flat, whatever, whatever the key is, you can manipulate that stuff too and it's a much more intuitive, user-friendly. I, I figured out how to use most of the features the like the first weekend that we used it, mm-hmm. and it was fantastic, and I loved it.
0: Really meant to be used on a phone or on a tablet device. Yeah. Some Big buttons, just,
1: right? And we use it on a laptop. So I just got a laptop and a little stand right next to me, and yeah, it's pretty great.
0: So the the Moses. Dot- moises.ai moises yeah moises okay it it's really you would take a song and the, the ai part is it figures out you can take any song
1: yep and almost kind any of, song
0: yeah almost any song and f- it'll figure out the parts it'll go in and based on the frequency and whatever right it it'll, yeah. it'll it'll find the parts for you and then you can start isolating them it would allow you to take a song off the radio or whatever and do the cover on it where this multi track at some nineteen thousand, and this is—it looks like I was looking through their ca- their catalog, gigantic church collection. A lot of churches use this kind of stuff, but yeah, yeah. But really, the difference is is they have every part or almost every part in there, Pretty and much. and it, it's able to modulate by keys. Mm-hmm. Which is you wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do that necessarily on the 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 Moises app.
1: Moises app. yeah,
0: right. That would just be, hey, whatever the band did it in. Y-
1: you know what? there might be hmm. a way to modulate the keys in that app. I yeah. just I haven't dived or dove yeah that deep into that aspect of it, but so yeah but- much, much more control, yeah, from a live music standpoint with the playback app. Um, it's and it's a little bit more of a niche thing too. It's it's m- mostly churches using it. Um, maybe if you are a cover band, um, depending on what kind of audio files they have available, I haven't gotten into that aspect of it either. But the context that we use it is definitely church, and that's the yeah. majority of the files you could download on it or for that.
0: I remember going to concerts in the '80s, and well, let's just say the '80s, and bands just played. Right. That's just, they just played and then they could go as long or short or change it or whatever they wanted to. Right. There was, I'm not sure they were using click tracks in those days. I think the drummer, the drummer Probably not the click track. Right. Yep. Yep. Pretty much. And, <laughs> and it, you know, and I, then I remember going, oh, this would have been maybe the early 2000s. I went to a conference and they had three sound stages and Alan Jackson, who's a country, country music guy at the time. And he was playing all of his songs to video. So as he was singing, his music video was playing behind. And I thought, that one, that takes an enormous amount of discipline <laughs> because you have to do it exactly like the video, right? You can't, no, no riffing, no, hey, let's go around for another chorus, right? Like, no, you're going to do it, you're going to play it exactly like the, as, just as long as the video. And then as I've kind of watched you and the you know, and kind of helped out from the fringe of what's going on at church, realizing now just how locked in, in some cases, you guys are from a musical standpoint. If you want to play to a music video, or if you've got a certain, you have certain instruments that you want to play with in the track, well, then they just can't go around for another, you know, that it kind of requires some discipline. That, when I was leading music, you know, when we were doing, when you were in my band at chapel hundred years ago and uh, at the Bass chapel, yeah, we, we go as long or short as we wanted to. Right. You know, yeah. and it, it's just a whole different world where the technology really drives, really drives the literally the tempo but the duration and some of those kinds of things do you ever feel like you get too locked in and and you can't you don't you you can't be creative as a musician
1: oh um i could see how in certain aspects of you know especially using something like the playback app if you're playing to the tracks maybe but there is some area in at least for my instrument where You know, as long as whatever I'm playing fits within the timing, Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess I could technically be as creative as I want. But um, as a band, yeah, I mean, it is kind of limiting. Now, the situation that we're in is that we don't always use just like the full blown structure of a track, like a pre built track. Um, You know, some weeks we have three songs that have pre built tracks, and then one of the songs we play is literally all we hear is just a metronome. Um, and then maybe just a pad that's playing a consistent note underneath us to kind of fill out the sound a little bit. Um, and so, I I mean, most of the time it's so we can provide one. It's like, we're not the type of church and or band that really does much of the improvising and riffing and feeling the moment and stuff. We get a pretty like time sensitive structure that we try to stick to. Um, cause people don't like to be there a super long time. Um, and so, you know, technically we have the freedom to do whatever we want, mm-hmm. but if we're using the tracks, you know, yeah, it's limiting, but we don't have to, um, a lot of times it's, do we want, is there a specific sound that we want to hear? Um, are we, you know, like you said earlier, are we limited on musicians one week? We don't have as many as maybe we had preferred, um, or something like that, or, Um, sometimes it's literally just, Hey, there's a lot of cool sound effects that make this song sound like the song you're used to hearing. And we want to make sure that that's in there. Mm -hmm. And so that's the beauty of the tracks is that it's not, you know, for me, it doesn't feel robotic. It feels like an extension of like making people familiar with what's happening, but then it's still different musicians playing it than whatever Mm -hmm. recording they're used to hearing. But so I, I think that's cool, um, but there's definitely a lot of ways to play around with it. And, you know, I don't feel like it's limiting or too limiting, or it doesn't make me feel robotic or, you know, boxed in per se too much. Stifled. Stifled yeah.
0: In that yeah. sense. Yeah. It's just a different, I'm not sure I could do what I used to do in this new era of, of a click track and I mean, cause does, does every song have a click track?
1: Uh, yeah, we play, that? we play to a click. We have a click going every time. And so something that I wanted to expand on earlier is that within a musical context, this type of thing actually helps a lot with um, more, I would say inexperienced musicians. So um, musicians that maybe haven't played with a live band as much, and they're just not, you know. If you play so much, like you, it doesn't matter what instrument you play. At some point, if you play enough with, especially if you're playing live or you're playing in a bunch of different contexts, recording studios with other musicians to your favorite recordings, at some point you're going to get a feel for being locked into a good tempo, and then what that's supposed to sound like, the way that feels. Like that's just how like music feels right, you know, if it's not straying away from that tempo too much. Now, that's a whole other aspect we can get in, go into. but anyways, um, the aspect of playing to a click and or using like guide tracks and stuff like that is it actually helps those musicians that maybe aren't as locked in. Um, it gives them a structure to actually make them more consistent. And so I think technically, it may have made your life easier um had you know if you knew how to use it and then you just had musicians that were willing to buy into it so that's one of the big reasons why a lot of churches do that and or just bands like both the local bands that I played in I at the very least had headphones in where I could hear a click track and then the band would reference off of me so then we would at least have a pretty consistent time that way <laughs> so it gives it really helps with consistency and just yeah. solidarity Um, And the more people can hear that, the more solid of a sound you're going to put out.
0: Do you think because of all this technology that you use for, for the music that you're doing, both with the bands you've been in and church and those kinds of things, does that have an influence on the way you listen when you're in your car (laughs) and you listen to music just, just as you, does that have any, does that change anything? Do you hear things differently?
1: Um, I would say from a tech standpoint, uh, not so much. Um, typically if I'm just listening to music for enjoyment, um, I really get into just the type of sounds that I'm hearing, you know, the beat, the vibe. Um, I'm not a big lyrics guy. Um, there's been a lot of songs where I've realized, man, I don't really pay attention to the lyrics. <laughs> yeah, uh, I didn't know what they were saying. I've been listening to this song for you know, five years now.
0: You're your father's son. I never sing
1: the wrong.
0: (laughs) Sammy goes, dad, that's not the lyrics. I don't care. I could say.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I'm a big, like I listen to the instruments and I just like, I just like the way music feels Hmm. right. That's what I go for. I I go for, you know, the way the music is going to make me feel. They could literally be singing gibberish. If it's on key, I might not even notice. Um, so I guess the the only influence is as far as like a, from a tech standpoint is literally just like sound manipulation. Um, so then you get into like, you know, how is that sound created? Is it digital? Was it recorded live in a studio and then heavily manipulated through sound engineering? Um, and that's again, a whole nother rabbit hole. Like yeah. music can get pretty complicated but, um, so I would say yes and no, but, um, maybe not. It doesn't affect the way I think about music, maybe in the way you were asking.
0: Yeah, no, I just, just kind of wondering, I never really ask you that question on, I don't know if I've ever really ever sat with you or driven with you in a car where we were listening, <laughs> you know, to music, uh, in the last 15 years. Probably, yeah. Right? It's been a while. So I didn't know, it just kind of get, getting inside of your head a little bit of like, you know, does that, that's like seeing the sausage made, you know, does that change when you're in the business and you've got all these mechanics behind the scenes? And maybe the right question is, does that, for you, does that change the way live music, you the way you hear live music? You've, you know, you know how it's, what's going on on stage. Sometimes then you think, you can see things going wrong even though you can't, right? You know, that yeah. kind of stuff, right? Does that change live oh, yeah. performance
1: for you at all? For, for sure. Yeah. Um, one of the things that, you know, if you get to a, a high enough level of, you know, quality, I guess would be a decent word to use. If you have a band that's good and, You know, they're really well, they have a lot of experience and been playing for a long time. Like they're even musicians are going to be able to listen to that and then not be distracted by the mistakes that they're making, Mm -hmm. uh, which are more than likely very small. Now, if you're listening to more experienced musicians, then you kind of have to at that point, you kind of have a decision to make you can decide to be agitated and or distracted by the mistakes they're making, or you can then try to maybe pick out the good stuff that they're doing. But yeah, I mean, that is uh, something that goes on in my head. Like if I'm watching something or somebody or a band or something that is like, I can tell hasn't played live music very often and their tempo is all over the place and the band's not gelling very well or it doesn't really sound like the song that I'm used to hearing and it wasn't intentional <laughs> yeah. that it sounds that different. You,
0: and, you yeah, mean like I every mean, song it, that we did back in the chat?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I like to think we did all right, but yeah, well, maybe not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know. We tried. We tried. Right? We had a yeah. good time. We
1: had a good Now time. I'm thankful for that opportunity though. Cause yeah. Kind of as you would referenced before, things have gotten a lot more difficult and the stakes have gotten a lot higher Mm -hmm. And just like Christian music as a whole has constantly been trying to keep up with everybody else. Um, now I'd say just from a music standpoint, take out the message, the lyrics, the, you know, the, um, Christian music, it gets technically a genre, but like take all that away. And it is so much better than Mm -hmm. it was 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, they're coming out with some really, really good music, re- like really skilled musicianship um, stuff. That like sometimes I have to sit down and hash out and practice. When you know, ten years ago, you know, like it was, it was easy. Like yeah. I key of I'd G listen- and hit
0: the snare. You're good. to yeah, God, I just
1: listened to the song a couple times on the way there and. Yeah. It was like it's. I could play some of the songs in my sleep. So mm-hmm. I'm part partly thankful because it challenges me. And then, you know, once I get it, it still is fresh and new and it's fun to play. And we're making this high quality, you know, kind of music and playing it live. But then it's a lot tougher for people trying to, you know, get in on the entry level. Like I was really, really fortunate that I started when I did because <laughs> the music we were playing from a drumming standpoint was pretty basic um and so i'd been playing around six months and you know when i finally got to play for like the first my first live like service or whatever so it's pretty mind-blowing kind of see where it started and where it's at now and i kind of feel bad for people that are learning to play instruments now because it's like they don't aside from maybe creating online content, even then the expectations are pretty high. And so they don't have a lot of places to get plugged in.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, that's YouTube can be a spot practice, practice, practice. I mean, Mm -hmm. you, you alluded to this earlier, you would play and we'd have to tell you to stop like, okay, we need some quiet, like in, in your drums in the day, were right over on the other side of this. You know, we filled it in with shelving and some other stuff now. Yeah you were literally just on the other side of my desk. Mm-hmm. The desk was turned the other way. And I would come down, your ride. right. I'd put earphones on to try and do some work yeah. down here while you were drumming and, and I just so like <laughs> just, just <laughs> rattle my teeth out. But I knew, like I knew you loved it and I knew you were, you know, you, this is, which is going to make you a great drummer. And I was, it was always my hope that it would lead to something that, W- was fulfilling. I didn't care if you were successful. I just wanted it to be fulfilling. Like I wanted you to really enjoy it. And it seems like you got there. We started you on electronic drums. The, I made the chapel. The, at the time we bought some new drums there. We played on, uh, the, in the chapel, we played on an electronic set. You had a acoustic set at home that you bought. And I don't know the timing on that and how all that worked. So I know yeah. you, the, the kind of the difference. But now there's so many electronic options. You're still playing an acoustic set. Why wouldn't, why have electronic drums not taken over? It, it, because there's so many more things you can do with them from a sampling standpoint, from a sound stand. You can make them sound like anything. And yet I, I remember you down here tuning your, tuning your snare. Done, or one of the one of them, <laughs> bom, bomb, 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 oh, There man. would be a break, bomb, 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 bom, Right, and you were tuned in. You know, click, click. We'd hear, bomb, 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 bomb. Why not just go 100 percent digital?
1: Oh gosh, that's the <laughs> that's the one of the biggest like you know stabs to the heart of like you know any human drummer is you know, the idea that machines might take over, but like, I think as human beings um, and I, I hear this topic all the time. Like I've been actually listening to a lot of drumming podcasts lately to try to pick up on something that might apply to kind of where I'm at in my own journey. But um, it's, it's kind of like most, most drummers that are secure enough with themselves and the context in which they um, thrive in, Uh, we'll understand where technology plays a part and where it doesn't. And I think where most people kind of draw the line is like, there's this human element that we want and it is that it's not perfect, but then it also, I think the human element adds a spin that technology can't. Um, A drum machine is so perfect that, you, you know, usually you can listen to music that has completely digital percussion and you can tell, and it has a certain vibe. And sometimes that works. Sometimes people want that um, for a particular context and it works for that type of music. Um, But there's a lot of other types of music where they want that human energy and it's different. It feels different. And like the more music you've listened to and the more maybe like um, you've experienced whether you're a musician or you've had a lot of experience with, um, different types of musical applications, that stuff starts to separate and you can kind of tell the difference between all that. Um, so some people can't tell. Um, but a lot, you know, a lot of people can, especially when it comes to live music. I mean, come on. Um, there's just this energy that like a live band gives you. Um, but like sometimes backing it up with some electric stuff, is it like it drives the point home. Um, So there's this, um, I think you were about to transition into that uh, sample pad mm-hmm. we had talked about. Um, and so Roland, which is a really popular kind of electronic drum company um, has made this specific. Um, it's I essentially think about it like a mini electronic drum kit. Um, it's a rectangular squarish, you know, kind of, 12 by 12 square that's got nine different um, rubber pads on it. And you can assign like electronic percussion samples or sounds what it doesn't even have to be like drum stuff. It could be a guitar sound. It can be whatever you want it to be. Um, if you have a sound file for it, you can actually download it to there. There's a brain in there that you can download it to. And then you can, hit that pad, assign the sound to it. And every time you hit it, it's going to make that sound. And so you get like, it's really, really popular to put, you know, you'll see a a drummer with like a live acoustic kit and you'll see the sound pad off to like one of their sides. And sometimes they'll incorporate like a different type of like a bass kind of like kick drum sound that sounds different Mm -hmm. than their actual bass drum. Um, And it just adds, you know, another layer to an effect they're trying to put off or a different dynamic level um, as far as the energy is concerned, Um, hand claps, tambourine sounds, um, different types of cymbal swells, maybe like a crazy snare drum sound is really impossible to replicate live, but is really unique um, and something that like, you're like, we can't make this particular sound people are used to hearing happen live. And so we're going to do it electronically Mm -hmm. so it sounds familiar and that's kind of what i was referencing to those tracks before too so that sample pad is one of the ways you can do that um and kind of make it fun make it sound recognizable um create a really specific sound that you want um and be able to get a really consistent you know product per se um for that particular purpose. And so, it's almost like a mini electronic drum kit is it's t- essentially what it is. Electronic drums are the same thing that that little Roland sample pad is. Mm. It's just bigger. And mm. the drums are spread out and it looks more like a, you know, actual drum yeah, set. Yeah, it
0: like looks like a drum set. Like it's the, you'd play it. You yeah. you don't need it to look like a drum set, but that's what they did to try and get other you know so you could yeah. you could transition between the
1: two. Right? So it felt familiar and like you could right. play it the same way you play an acoustic kit but it's got the same type of triggers in it. It's got a really really similar brain in it. Mm-hmm. Um and so it's just a compact electronic drum kit is really all it is.
0: I think in the day we had a Roland kit. I think that's it was
1: Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was yeah. one of the early ones. Yeah. Yeah, and Uh, actually,
0: we spent a lot of money on it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it was expensive. And it
1: worked. It worked. I mean, it cut down on the volume, and
0: yeah, because the the only reason I got it is because I knew volume would be a problem, and I knew if I put the drummers on an electronic kit, on an electric kit, on a digital kit, I could control the drum sound. And and you and John hated it. (laughs) My two drummers. Yeah. There was not, there was not a lot of love. Uh, we tolerated that, it. For that, yeah, kid. for yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. no, for sure. There, but the, the important question is, can you get more cowbell? Like, can you use it? <laughs> you for, can.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you can make it sound almost however you want.
0: <laughs> whatever cowbell sample, yeah, 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 you, uh, whatever you sam- want to use. You do in sampling, right? And this is really common in, I always say today's music, but it's been, sampling has been common for a long time. Yeah. You can when you hear that consistency in the music, you're like, oh, they're definitely sampling, you know, for that. Because it's just the same every single time.
1: Well, the trick is is creating a product that makes it hard to tell if you're sampling. Right. So there's uh electronic triggers you can put on an acoustic kit. Um, and that's another thing that that um they'll do a lot too, is they'll These little triggers almost act like an electronic kit does, Um, except it's instead of the mesh head that the electronic kit has, it's just, you know, it's a little square object that sits on top of the edge of the head of an acoustic drum kit. And then when it picks up that signal, it will, you know, you have to plug it into a brain like or a, you know little computer, basically the same that that sample pad has the same that electronic kit would have. And then, uh, people use this in live situations all the time where they'll layer a particular recorded sound, whether it's from a real acoustic recording environment or maybe it's a digital sound. They blend into the sound they're getting from the microphone. That's also sitting above that drum and they'll blend the two together to create one more consistency. It does help with that um between different venues where you're playing inside outside big venue small venue yeah. um
0: gives the sound help.
1: guy some action or some yeah options, yeah yeah and right? gives yeah. him some more stuff to play around on and oh, then it also helps you know can help with getting a more consistent sound like let's say that tom is a little out of tune or something like that he could pump more of the sample in and less of the microphone in and you know it gives him some flexibility um but then it Technically, gives him more to work with as far as maybe there's some frequencies and um, pitches and things in that sample that the drum isn't creating that can add more depth um, to whatever that like that sound the drum is making yeah. and make it sound more full or less full or you know higher pitched lower pitched you know stuff like that.
0: I remember years ago now, maybe 20 years ago, I was out or maybe more, but I was out in California at a conference and we were, there's a real popular band at the time called Sonic Flood. And we got a chance to spend some time with their sound guy, which, you know, usually you spend time with the musicians. Well, that, you know, they're just a bunch of lackeys, but the sound guy was really interesting. And, and it's the very first time I'd been in a big venue like that. And I could actually hear the, the vocalists usually in, Church settings, and all the volume controls come up. You know, you have a you have a volunteer sound person, right? They don't they don't really know how to EQ. They're just they're hoping to get something close, right? Yeah. And and I said to him, I was like, man, like I could really hear. I forget the name of the singer. He was. He, I, I used to know his name. I could really hear him. Like it was like crystal clear. How did you do that? And he goes. I created a a dynamic tunnel for him in the frequencies. So in all the instruments, I took the vocal frequencies out. So you could still hear them, but their vocal frequencies were, were minimized, greatly minimized. So that the, where we hear the frequencies where we hear human singing would, all you could hear, not all, but mostly what you could hear was him, the vocals coming through. And it was, for me, it was the very first time I was like, Oh, that's how that works. Like, you know, it was, it was, it was more than just turning up or turning down sound. It was trying to figure out where are the vocalists and how do we, because in this, in this setting, sure, I'm not sure, I'm sure that was not a new thing. I wish, I am sure that professional musicians from the 60s were doing that in all their concerts, right, going forward. But, for me, it was the first time I kind of figured that out. Like, oh, frequencies matter.
1: In this yeah, case. yeah. The the sound engineers, sound of the live sound guys, the the guys running the soundboard in the studio, like they are the unsung heroes of <laughs> the music world. Like. Yeah. For those of you that don't know, like they are the ones that make your favorite band sound like your favorite band. Like, otherwise, your favorite band is just a loud, obnoxious bunch of sound. (laughs) And, like, if it wasn't for that sound engineer, like your music would not sound the way that it does. And so, um, a lot of people forget about that and how much work and science and um, just. Masters, just creativity yeah. and ingenuity and stuff goes into sound mixing. Like it's actually a world that I've kind of semi been diving into. That's interesting to me. And um, cause like, you know, I that's when I listen to music, I enjoy the overall picture. I enjoy the way everything meshes together and the, like the vibe that it creates. Mm-hmm. Um And then, but then I also pick apart individual types of tones and sounds and things like that. And the sound engineers are usually aside from whatever the the source of the sound is so the drum that's tuned a certain way the guitar that's tuned a certain way or an amp that's set at certain settings like outside of that the sound engineer has a lot to say in the final product of where that comes out and so it's uh it's it, the sound guy can definitely make or break an experience yeah for sure
0: yeah yeah they're they're or sound guy or gal, just to be really clear on that. Sorry. No, no, no. Old no. habit. Yeah. We're, no, we're used to saying that. But it, it's, um, you know, I always used to tell you guys when when you guys were young and we were doing this is that less is more. <laughs> and because everybody wanted to play every single note on oh every single gosh. song. And I would just so be like, true. hey, guys, just actually I need a lot less from you. We're, or, or, you know, we just don't need that much. Yep. Um, Last question on this. When we look to the future, what are you excited about? Or is there anything that you're, you know, you're thinking about starting a podcast where you're going to interview some people or talk to some people or just have some really nerdy conversations about music? (laughs) As you look ahead to the future, what do you, what are you most excited about? I mean, is there anything out there new coming out or anything that you keep, that you have your eye on from a technology or, yeah, from a technology perspective, maybe?
1: Uh, I guess from a tech standpoint, I, I guess it would be, you know, like I said, at the beginning, I'm kind of toying around with trying to start my own podcast and then get into um, mainly like some nitty gritty aspects of drums. Um, I really, really enjoy almost everything there is to with the, the things that, you know, you hear when a drummer plays symbols um, snare drums, you know, the electronics, the, the way the drums are tuned, the shell material, the, the heads that you use, the type of sticks that you're, you know, what kind of room you're in different tuning, stuff like that. Like there's so many layers and I enjoy every single one of those. And so I'm trying to, you know, set up a podcast where I could talk to people about that, um, and talk. To hope, you know, maybe interview some people that um also kind of have the same type of passions and try to kind of explore not only just the specifics of drums, but a lot of the things around drums that kind of influence them too. Mm-hmm. Um and just, you know, open up some dialogue. And yeah. I like talking to people that are passionate about stuff. It also helps that if we're passionate about the same things, but yeah, yeah. um, you know, there's something uh contagious about somebody's passion for something and drums is a passion of mine. And I want to try to see if I can get some people to kind of share that and see where it goes.
0: We've, we always say this on the, the ask the podcast coach show that I do on Saturday mornings that sometimes podcasting gives you the opportunity to meet and interview people. You never would have gotten an opportunity uh, to do that with. And for some folks that's famous people, I'm not a big famous person kind of guy. I like to kind of interview <laughs> friends and family, you know, obviously. Uh, I like to give people who don't necessarily have a voice a voice. But, but certainly from a podcasting perspective, that's an area that does, it allows for that. Now that you've done this, like, any, does this, um did this help? The reason we had you on here was just to give you A little bit first taste experience of what it's like to do a podcast or be on a podcast. Did this give you a good indication? Do you feel any different now than you did before?
1: Um, I would say that it not like it it like didn't help but like I was excited about it before and so like this definitely like didn't give me any doubts like it definitely good. makes good. me feel like something that's possible to do and yeah. obviously you make that really easy like pretty good at the the flow of this whole thing so far and that's the things that I'm gonna have to learn like yeah. I can talk and talk and talk and talk with like yeah you know, gotta ask the right questions get have a nice structure um, you know, figure out a way to make things consistent, good stuff like that. Yeah. So.
0: Takes a little practice, just takes a little time. I mean, the, the fact that I was relying on screen sharing and that didn't work. <laughs> yeah. For some folks that just wrecks that, like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do, you know? I'm yeah. Like, well, okay, we're going to have to figure it out. And, you know, you saw me adapt a little bit and they're like, okay, we can still talk about these things. Actually for the audio listener who didn't, get to see the video it's probably a better podcast because probably we had to describe everything right Mm -hmm. in a way of not showing screens so yep
1: there's all those
0: aspects to it
1: we kind of learned that as well listening to other podcasts where i know that they're shooting videos also yeah and it's like hey like cater to your listeners only to like describe what you're seeing so that's an aspect that i've learned that whether it's just video or just audio, like, you know, if we're talking about a particular thing, like be more descriptive.
0: Yeah. Well, and actually listen, like there was a couple times tonight you went off in a direction I wasn't anticipating. And then I was like, Ooh, let's dig in a little bit more on that. Um, or, or what, ha- you don't say it that way, but you know, yeah. you can, you can kind of influence that conversation. Well, you know, I'm glad, um, well, one, I'm glad it, it only took me, you know, 11 years to get somebody else besides my daughter on here. Sarah's been on here. Your mom. Yeah. Sammy's been on here, but I've never had any of the boys. And so you broke the, uh, you broke the mold on this one tonight and maybe, you know. Yeah. You
1: know, I don't we'll know why see. it took so long.
0: Well, you had to be ready. You asked, Hey, yeah. how do you do it? Po- do do Honestly,
1: a I think, I think I would have been ready five years ago. But well, yeah, maybe. Who knows? Who knows?
0: Maybe. Well, but the time is now. I mean, maybe the best time was five years ago. The second best time is now. (laughs) Right. Yep. So, so, so good stuff. Anything else, Phil, that we should have, that you were hoping to say that you didn't get to say in this?
1: Uh, No, I mean, honestly, like it'd been kind of cool if anybody had any specific questions for me, but. Yeah, not a lot of um, questions in the
0: chat room. I think they're just listening. They're stunned by the incredible (laughs) depth.
1: Yeah hopefully yeah it was interesting enough that they got you know something out of it but yeah. um no i feel like i got to cover a lot of uh a lot of things pertaining to me and the world i live in and yeah. especially when it comes to drums and the small amount of tech that i interact with <laughs> in that context
0: if it's small so, i don't to be honest i don't know if it's small i mean i think about the amount of tech that we used When, you know, what Chapel, that ended in 08. So, you know, that was 14 years ago. That ended 14 years ago. So between 15 and 25 years ago, we used a small amount of tech. It was still coming, but the tech that's available now, um, so, so much greater. And I, there's just a lot more tech than you think. You take it for granted. Dude, we didn't have cell phones. You could like read <laughs> today. I look on the platform and everybody's just playing off their cell phone. Like they've got their i iP- their their iPhone up there playing. Yeah. You know, they well, got the it, note, you know.
1: Some people are like using it for lyrics and some people are using it to just adjust their, you know, in your monitor settings. And
0: yeah, it's like I watch from the from the from the platform, I watch folks like do all these things on their phone. And I'm like, are you are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, uh, Joe in the chat room says I'm clueless about instruments in general, but his oldest daughter plays drum in the school band. And yeah, uh, Joe, I think it's really important to encourage those ladies to continue to be involved in that, in that particular space. I think we could use more. You see this on YouTube. There are more lady drummers than there used to be, but, um, we could use more. So encourage her to, yeah play when she wants to practice and you, it, you don't want her to <laughs>
1: just let her practice, let, let, her, practice. <laughs> let her practice. Yeah. The best, I,
0: best thing I ever did.
1: The, I would plug with this. um and, and this might be unsolicited advice, but like, honestly, their own, their own passion is definitely going to drive that. And so, you know, this may not even be if something you're even thinking about might not even be, you know, be, related to or you know applicable to your situation but um the one thing that i've been trying to keep in mind that was true for me is like my passion was what drove me and so it's like if they have the passion to practice and all they want to do is play that instrument it's like just obviously there's limitations but you know let them play it as much
0: as we stopped you after two hours,
1: yeah yeah and so but on the flip side I would say if they're not showing that much interest, you know, it's a good opportunity for dialogue too. It's like ask them, like, why are you not interested in it? Is it that they don't have an interesting enough context to play the instrument? Do they need to, you know, play it in a different setting, or do they need lessons, or do they need to play, um, maybe not for the school band, but they want to, you know, it's it's a good opportunity to explore maybe why they're not interested in it, and then not force them to play it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that's my own opinion I think it's important to like you know make their own interest in love for the instrument drive that and then sometimes you can do things to facil- facilitate it um, but like I've heard a lot of horror stories and, and um, you know people that have a bitter taste in their mouth about like being forced to learn an instrument and it was just a you know kind of drove them away from music in a certain context when there's definitely some gray area in there where you can manipulate it a little bit, but ultimately it's up to them.
0: Yeah. I think we had a clarinet player at one point in time and that (laughs) lasted like six months. (laughs) Who was that? Tim. What? Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah. Yeah. We bought a clarinet for him. Wow. We We rented it from... It was in the early days of the internet. We, you could rent from, you know, there was a company that was renting online. And so we rented from them and then they went out of business. And so we had this, we had this clarinet we couldn't give back. They were out of business. So wow. we ended up um, some, <laughs> one of our friends needed a clarinet for the, you know, for band. And we just gave it to them. We were just like, you can just, you can just have it. You know, I thought, you know, I played saxophone uh, when I was, I played Saxophone in junior high, and then the Barry Sax uh, for most of junior high, and then had this crazy idea I'd learned the banjo in high school, and I made my <laughs> parents buy me one. This is They never buy me anything again after this. <laughs> I made them buy me one, and then I never practiced it. I also thought I might play the bass for a while. Oh, uh, I got a, I got a hold of a bass guitar from a buddy and started learning it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not interested in any of these things. You know, I started, and then I was like, yeah, this isn't really this isn't really my jam. The vocal arts, or what I'm doing here, is obviously what I like. You know, I sang for a while, and that's okay, but I'm not that great at it. Um, this kind of stuff, and then what I do for the church of being a service host and just being that, hey, welcome, glad you're here. I get to use all my podcasting skills for that. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you probably, as I open the show, that's the same tone I use when mm-hmm. I'm in church, right? You know, doing yep. those kinds of things. So, It gives me a good opportunity. I wish, for me, I wish there had been more availability for the vocal arts that was not singing when I was younger. You know, podcasting wasn't available. You couldn't, you couldn't, not everybody could just start their own podcast. Recording equipment was unheard of. You just didn't even have an avenue to. Well,
1: back then it was called blogging.
0: No, back then there was nothing. Like, Oh, how far back are we going?
1: Well, I was in high school,
0: right? You didn't have, you couldn't, yeah. I mean, you worship the guys on the radio, but there was no way the average guy could do that. That's what I'm doing now. Yeah. You know, that's, it's, this is, these are like talk shows, right? You know. So I, I wish those opportunities. I think there's a whole bunch of vocal arts. That's kind of this, I think this comes under the, the heading of vocal arts. I kind of wish that availability was there. It's there today. I'm going to get an I just spoke with some folks here in Omaha. I'm going to get a chance to talk with some high school students here in the next couple, in the next month or two about influence, influencers. That's what they call us now, influencers. And, uh, and, and that with the, the whole technology around, it, you know, doing LinkedIn lives or TikTok or Instagram or some, all, all those things. We used to call those social media and we still do, I guess, but they're really influencing type um, exercises. So I think a great opportunity for folks to do it. Well, Phil, thanks for, for coming on. And uh, we'll, of course, follow along with you on this. If you start this drum podcast, I'm probably going to host it at TheAverageGuy.tv, I think, in the beginning, just so you've got a place to put it. So it'll be, it'll be out there and available. We'll talk about it here if you want to go out or if you know musicians or You've got folks, you've got drummers maybe that Phil could talk to. There'll be some opportunities to uh, possibly get that going. So we'll see if we can get that fired up. And now that you kind of know this is easy, the technology is actually even easier to get this, you know, recorded and edited and put out. That's, that's, that's even easier. So the hardest part sometimes content. So, Thanks for, thanks for coming out. A couple of reminders um, uh, in the next couple of weeks. Paul Breran is here next week. Uh, we'll join us. We'll catch up with Paul. Of course, he's been on the show a bunch and uh, looking forward to having him on. And then right behind him on the 12th of May, Erin Lawrence is jumping in here and Erin has been on fire re- uh, reviewing things. And so she's going to have a ton of stuff to talk about. You're not going to want to miss that one. And, um, and then I, I got some more weeks to get scheduled. We are live every Thursday, at 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at TheAverageGuy.tv slash live. Of course, uh, TheAverageGuy.tv powered by Maple Grove Partners. Get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting from people that you know and you trust. You know that's Christian. In fact, I got a Cyber Frontiers in the hopper. I just need to get it released maybe this weekend. If you haven't subscribed to Cyber Frontiers, go out and get, get subscribed to that as well. And, um, and if you looking for some hosting, plans as little as $10 a month. MapleGrovePartners.com will get you there. And I think that gets, Oh, send me an email. If you got feedback or you've got something for Phil, you can send me an email, Jim at TheAverageGuy.tv. If you want to leave me a voicemail, HomeGadgetGeeks.com. And if you really want to join in the conversation, join us on Discord. TheAverageGuy.tv slash Discord. A lot of great, it's not too overwhelming. So if you're, if you don't want to join another group that's not talking every day, this is not it. This is little bits at a time. It's a great Discord group and I like hanging out there. So the slash Discord. We'll be back next week with Paul Breran. We'll do a little bit of a post show if you're listening live. With that, we'll say goodbye.